You are now listening to the Hunter's Advantage Podcast. We preserve the history and sport of hunting through curious conversation and action-packed hunts, as well as offering you tips and strategy for more successful hunts. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Hunters Advantage podcast. This is episode number 112, and we are joined by Heath Sanders, country music artist, over a million streams on Spotify and Raised on Red, man. Thanks for jumping on the podcast. Uh, thanks for having me, Christian. I appreciate it, man. Yeah. So what have you been up to lately for maybe people that happen to listen to our podcast and really enjoy your music? Where are you playing music? What have you been up to? Man, we've been uh, we've been following Justin Moore all over the place. Uh, of course, I've been a huge Justin Moore fan all my life. It's pretty bizarre that that I'm on the road with him now and get to share stage with him. Uh, but man, we're just we're just trying to catch the cart up to the horse, so to speak, or the horse up to the cart. One of the two. We've been chasing our tail since this thing took off, and uh, it's it's just it's just been awesome, man. We uh, going out and seeing the entire United States and get to meet everybody and realizing that there's good people everywhere. There's uh, outdoorsmen all outdoorsmen all over the place, and uh, yeah, man, having a lot of fun right now, dude. We're uh, we're about to go back in the studio, cut some more music, get back in this thing. So, how'd you get into uh, the music industry, Jake? It was kind of a mistake, dude. <laughs> it's kind of an accident. Uh, back in 2017, I've been I've been working in the oil field for about eight years. Uh, you know, natural gas really took off in Central Arkansas there, which is where I was living at the time, kind of, kind of Northwest central, I guess. Um, and, uh, I've been doing that for about eight years, uh, getting, and knocking down anywhere from 60 to 70 hours a week. So I was making a pretty good living for, yeah. you know, for Arkansas living out in the middle of nowhere, you know, and, uh, just lived out there and hunted and fished and, and living my life. You know, I was going to retire doing that and, uh, never, never imagined music as a career. And uh, they ended up pull us, pulling us in the office in uh, September of 2017 and told us they were cutting our hours back, you know, over time. And that cut my paycheck, you know, in half. And so I just – I could play the guitar a little bit. I'd never really played anywhere but the couch and a, and a tailgate. And uh, so I got me a bunch of songs together and started playing local bars, man. Made a little Facebook page. And uh, I believe it was uh, October – when my Facebook page really kind of started to grow, which I say grow, you know, we got to 500 followers. That was really something special to me, you know. And uh, in February of 2018, man, I put a Chris Stapleton cover online and uh, uh, an outlet on Facebook called Country Rebel. They uh, they picked it up, ended up sharing it, and it ended up getting in front of Bobby Bones' eyes, which uh, for those of you who don't know, Bobby's the biggest radio, country radio DJ in the United States. I mean, he's syndicated coast to coast and border to border. And uh, he's also an Arkansas boy. Yeah, okay. So he ended up reaching out to me one one day. And, guys, I've never even written a song. Uh, I was still battling stage fright really bad and, you know, even just in my local bar, you know. And uh, it's funny how I, I like to tell this part of the story. It's probably my favorite part of the story. But uh, I'd never written a song. And after the video went viral, it kind of, you know, it kind of inspired me to see, you know, maybe maybe there's something here, you know. And I sit down on a Sunday morning. And started writing a song called Bloodline. And uh, took me all day to write uh, the first verse and half the course. And I'm sitting there with my guitar in my lap, my notepad and pen on the table. And my phone goes off and it's, it's Bobby Bones on Facebook. Hit me up. Oh, and, uh, it just blew my mind, guys. And it just blew me away. 
And uh, so, anyways, uh, we ended up talking a little bit, and his uh, his producer reached out to me and asked me to be on the show the next morning just over the phone. I got on there and talked to him a little bit, and he invited me down to Nashville. And he's like, hey, man, we want you to come down in a couple of weeks, and we want you to play one of your songs. We want to hear an original. Well, guys, I don't have a song. I got <laughs> uh, I got a verse and half a chorus of a song. Uh, and so my heart was just pounding. I was freaking out. And uh, ended up calling a buddy of mine named Jamie Jones out of Russellville, Arkansas. And we he helped me finish Bloodline. And uh, like I said, in a couple of weeks, we went down there and played it live on Bobby. And uh, my life changed, man, for forever. Um, you know, that was February 2018. And then April of 2018, I put my two weeks in uh, in the oil field. And, uh, How'd that feel? From, man, it was, it was <laughs> mixed emotions, brother. It was yeah. bittersweet. I'll be honest with you. Um, of course, you know, nerve wracking. Yeah. You know, walk, walking away from such a, such a good career that I'd worked so hard to, to accomplish something in, um, you know, it took a lot of hammer swinging and a lot of 12 hour days and seven, you know, seven day weeks to, to ever, you know, get me to the point that I was at and I was pretty comfortable there. Um, so to walk away from something like that was, uh, was scary as hell. Um, not only that, but just, you know, anybody who's been in the oil field or who's been in a, in a, uh, in a business like that, where you, you know, you risk your life every day. Uh, there's some camaraderie that you build with the guys that you work with that man walking away from that is, that was almost as painful as, as walking away from the money and, you know, just the, the check every two weeks, you know, um, still miss the guys still miss it sometimes, but man, what a, what a dream, dude, you, you know, you get to go out and make music and tell about your life and hell save a small town or two while you're at it. And, uh, <laughs> it's, it's been, it's been a great ride guys for, you know, the rocket ship that you've been on since 2018, what, what is it that keeps you grounded? I mean, do you still live where you, you've kind of grew up or, or what keeps you grounded as you're kind of having this rise to fame? Man, I actually, uh, I live in Dixon, Tennessee now. I've lived here about three years. Um, that's about 45 minutes West on, uh, of Nashville on I-40. Uh, I couldn't make the, I moved, I moved here from a little town called Cleveland, Arkansas, which is, uh, right next to those Ark national forest. It's, uh, uh, right outside the, uh, uh, there's a WMA right there. Um, and I can't think of what it's called. Um, has it got any big deer? Maybe you can think of Yeah, that. it's got monsters on it, dude. <laughs> it really does. Hey, there's a, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of hill country out there and you got to work for them. I mean, I have, I have packed deer out of there. That's, that's, you know, I throw deer on my back and it's taken me five, six hours to ever get, you know, just to the top of the trail to walk the ridge out to get the truck. You know? <laughs> uh, so you got to work for it, but, uh, but there really is some good hunting out there. Um, Gulf mountain, that's what it's called. Gulf mountain wildlife management area out there. It's not huge, but, uh, but, but people, people hunt it pretty hard, man. You got to get out there muzzleloading season. I mean, it looks like a pumpkin patch. I mean, it's, but there's <laughs> always some, uh, there's always some good deer taken out of it. It's, it's a great place, but, uh, I ended up leaving there and coming to Dixon and, uh, I couldn't make that full commitment to, to Nashville. I, I still don't think I would ever adapt to sleeping around the traffic and the noise and all that. Dixon's pretty quiet. It's pretty small, you know, for being around Nashville. Uh, but as far as staying grounded, man, you know, that's a good question because it is, it is hard, man. You get, you stay so busy. Um, you know, this is a, it's a 24 seven job. Anybody who's ever owned their own business, it's, it's the same as, I mean, you're, you work 24 seven. There's always something to be done. Um, if, if you're not doing something, there's always something pulling at your mind that you, that needs to get done, you know? So, um, 
but I always take the time to go back home. You know, I grew up in Marshall, Arkansas, in Searcy County there, and, uh, you know, you got Bear Creek, you got the Little Red River that runs through there. You got the Buffalo River, um, so a lot of good fishing, a lot of good hunting. There's some big bucks down the Buffalo as well, um, and I go home every chance I get. Uh, if I ever start feeling like I'm getting too clouded up in my brain and can't think straight, can't write a song right, uh, or forget, you know, forget what I'm here for. Uh, oh, I go back and spend some time with the folks. Uh, but Dad, he's pretty good about he's pretty good about grounding a man, keeping him humble. <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, man, still go back home, do a lot of hunting and fishing, and uh, yeah, and that keeps me that keeps me sane. So, uh, how did how did COVID treat you? Because you said you started rising in 2018, and then all of a sudden that big old bump in the road. Uh, did your career just kind of get put on halt or, or how'd that work? Absolutely, man. I mean, it, it was, it was rough. Uh, fortunately, uh, I always look at the bright side of it. Uh, it wasn't as bad for me as it was for a lot of people, uh, especially a lot of artists. Cause I've got, man, I got guys in the hunting community who look after me. I got, uh, the rodeo community, um, farm communities, places like that never slowed down. We played a lot of chuck wagon races, played a lot of rodeos, and they kept us busy. Um, you know, folks like that don't really pay much attention to what to what the government yeah. says. So, uh, <laughs> we, uh, we we stayed pretty busy. But I, I will say, as far as the Nashville side of things, uh, everything just got put on hold. I mean, we had a lot of momentum rolling into 2020, and uh, man, it just it just stopped everything. I mean, and, and you just grit and bear it. You know, I, everybody had to deal with it, not just me. So. Um, Everybody understands, and uh, you just kind of pick up the pieces and, and roll on. And I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not sure that we're not better off for it. I got, I got some downtime. It was really, guys. I'd never even, uh, I'd never been north of Springfield, Missouri. I'd never been west of of Dallas, Texas before I started this. And uh, yeah. so, it just the running all the time, being on planes all the time. I had only flown twice before before all this, and so <laughs> you know, they had the label had me on a plane every week, man, and. Uh, it, you know, it was like it was bittersweet as well. You know, looking back on it, it was a nice. It was nice to have the break. Um, of course, you know, we all. What was it? Six weeks to slow the spread. That's really what uh, we expected. Apparently. You know, so that yeah. that six weeks was uh, it was welcome. I was like, man, come on with it. And then that turned into a year, a year and a half. And uh, so, yeah, I, 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 you know, I don't have it any worse than 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 anybody else does in the industry. But but it's it's been hard on us all. Well, we grew up in northeast Oklahoma, so we're. I, I know a lot of Arkansas folks. We went to Oklahoma State, so we've got a lot of Arkansas people over there. And you said you grew up in central Arkansas? I grew up northwest Arkansas, right where the foothills begin, up there on 65. If you head up out of Little Rock uh, on I-40 and hit Conway, you can head up 65. It'll take you to Marshall. It's right just about 35 minutes south of Harrison. But I actually graduated from Ozark, Arkansas, um, which is – Pretty close to Oklahoma, what maybe an hour drive, something like that, just on the other side of Fort Smith there. Uh, mm -hmm. So yeah, I'm I'm familiar with that neck of the woods for sure. Hmm. So sure is hate, there? I hated to see us beat you boys so bad in, in, in baseball. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> this has been a good podcast, guys. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, <laughs> uh, so uh, I guess during the COVID, did you do any hunting at all? Yeah, or, man. I mean, was it just kind of kick your feet up and relax? We, we, I, I did do some hunting. Um, it, that was one of those welcome things. That one of those things that I got excited about. Like, hey, man, I'm yeah. gonna get to hunt full rut. And 
that's one been one of the coolest things about the the music industry getting into it i had no idea how much the country music industry and the hunting community were were intertwined um you know i got the guys i actually just talked to steve decker today he's the head of the rocky mountain elk foundation great guy you know those guys got my back and and uh i get to hunt places i never thought i would i mean i got so i got ohio on deck this year i got two hunts in illinois i got a hunt coming up in texas and it's awesome man i mean i do miss going out and scouting uh taking the time I mean, it's really hard to find land to hunt in tennessee uh everything's locked down um any lease within two hours of nashville i mean to get in on something like that's just really really hard to do um but uh yeah i miss scouting i miss putting out my cameras and feeding and all that but on the other side of that man there's always somebody that'll, that'll take you hunting you know you yeah. just go up there and sing them a song and uh, but I, w- <laughs> I will sing for food you know what i mean and uh so it's been a that's been a really cool surprise man that's one of my favorite things about about getting into the music industry is is, is seeing the hunting community kind of take me into their you know under their wing and saying hey man we know you're busy we know you don't have time to do all the things you used to do come up and hunt with us and it's uh it's been cool man i got some i got some cool bucks hanging on the wall because of it that's pretty awesome so when you're you're saying northwest arkansas that's is that pretty much the same habitat as like getting in the ozarks pretty mountainous yes uh, that, it is that sort of so it's going to be it's going to be the bottom of the ozark mountain range um yeah so that rolls some of some of uh northeast oklahoma's got a little bit of that in it don't it yeah, it does. Like so. yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. So, uh, yeah, all of all of you know, south southwest Missouri, uh, northwest Arkansas, uh, northeastern Oklahoma. That's yeah, all that territory, man. That, that hill country. Um, that's where I grew up hunting. That's why I like to bow hunt so much because you can get down in those. You can find you a saddle somewhere. You know, sit down. Uh, you got a lot of geography to look at um, on whatever map uh, apps you choose to. You know, choose to to use um and that's how we've always hunted i don't do well on flatland i ain't got a clue what i'm doing you know i go up there to, i go up there to illinois and stuff and then flatlands and i'm just i'm just lost i'm kind of you know depending on the guys that are from there um, but you guys know you know how much we depend on you know funnels and, and things like that to, to harvest big bucks yeah. so oh go ahead christian i was gonna say we we hunt the we've hunted the kaimichi mountain range a lot i don't i think that goes into arkansas a little bit maybe in the southern part of the state but we went up to Kansas this year and we're rocking around setting out cameras and it was flat, like barely breaking a sweat. I was like, what is, what is all this about? It's a little yeah. different than that mountain stuff. It is, man. And you get, you know, you get into that, you know, those dead cornfields and stuff and then bucks just blend right into that stuff. I mean, not to count it. The first time, I remember the first time I went to, to Northern Missouri to hunt, I passed up on probably 155 inch eight point because I thought <sighs> it was a small buck. Yeah, I did. I passed him right up. But he was about he's about two hundred yards out, and dude, his rack looked. I mean, he looked like a one hundred and fifteen inch deer. His body was so oh, big. just proportionate. Yeah, yeah, probably weighed three fifty. I'm not used to seeing that. You know, I'm a two hundred pound, two hundred twenty five pound buck. You know, you slap a one hundred fifty inch rack on that, and you got something. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, a moose walk in there, you know, with one hundred fifty inches on his head, ain't you know, it, it looks different. But so yeah, that's one of my biggest regrets uh of my life right there to be honest i had nightmares about that still <laughs> well that's what we like about those mountain deer is like half the time you shoot one i shot one last year probably weighed 125 130 pounds field dressed and looks like your your labrador walking through the woods with a with a big <laughs> yeah. old rack on i mean look they look yeah. big when they got small they bodies really 
they really do, man. I, I, I done that last year. I killed uh, down there just outside of Little Rock and Sir and Sherwood. I ended up killing just a man. He he wasn't very big at all. Once he had major ground <laughs> shrinkage, but he but like like you said, man, he probably didn't weigh one hundred and forty pounds. But you know, he had some little palmated messed up rack, and that palmated rack on that little body just looked it looked like a monster, dude. And I smoked him, and of course, I ended up having to apologize to the landowner and stuff. I probably should, he probably needed two more years to be honest, yeah. but. Uh, but yeah, man, it's uh, it's nice. Now I will say this about northern deer: uh, they are delicious, absolutely delicious. Those northern Missouri deer, those Kansas deer, those Ohio deer, they get to eat, you know, feed on those soybeans and that corn all the time. But man, those acorn-fed bucks just don't—they don't compare to them. To be honest with you, man, I'll still eat her acorn-fed buck. Uh, <laughs> but it, it, it is—it's uh, nice to go up there. And I mean, it's like—it's almost like beef. I mean, it's pretty stellar. It's exciting. Mm-hmm. You being up there playing on stage in front of thousands of people, does that help you in the deer woods at all? Like, like, does that stage fright or getting over that stage fright, does that help you when, like, a deer walks out and you start getting that buck fever? Nope. No? <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> Not at all, man. I, you know, and that's, that's something that, that I'm still dealing with, man, is the stage fright. Um, you know, I, I, I'm just no hillbilly dude. I, I, you know, I never, I've never, the most people I ever stood in front of and sang in front of was, uh, you know, 40 or 50 people at church. And uh, so even after all these years of doing this, I still, sometimes I walk out there and can't feel my legs, you know, I just get. Some How do you get over that? I don't know if you do, brother. You really? just kind of handle it. Yeah. I mean, usually after the second or third song, I'm, you know, I'm good to go. Uh just seeing how the crowd reacts and stuff. And once they're comfortable with me, because a lot of times you crawl up on stage, you know, if you're playing some state you've never been to, they don't know who the heck you are, you know. And so you can't come in there just stomping your feet around and, you know, on somebody's home turf and acting like you're, you know, something special. So it's, uh, yeah, it, it, a lot of it has to do with the uh, with the audience reaction to you. Um, but you know, what a, you know what a big buck's reaction is going to be. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's still, man, I still – deal with the buck fever and you know i love it i love it that's why i do it i want that adrenaline rush and there ain't a drug you boys know it you know there ain't a drug that'll compare to it um i I wish i was more like my uncle me and my uncle talked about it and he don't get his buck fever till after after the shot um and i get every mind i get every bit of mine before yeah lucky (laughs) man he's uh he's doing something i ain't doing so yeah yeah still get a little buck fever i I told myself i I would quit doing it when i started you know, starting getting calm before I shoot one. I, I Man, still get nervous it. on a doe. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure that I don't get more nervous on a doe. I, I have been busted by them so many times. I mean, them old, especially them older does, you know, you get a five or six year old doe in there, dude, they'll walk right in and look straight up at you. You know, <laughs> I'd just scare you to death. I mean, uh, so yeah, it's, it, I, I, you know, I'm kind of like you, man. If I ever, if I ever stop, or if I ever stop, it'll be because of that. Well, you know, what's the point? I, besides feeding your family, you know, and, uh, you know, and participating in, you know, population control. But, uh, but yeah, still scares me to death. And I love, I love it every time. Yeah. So what got you into hunting? Uh, so my grandpa raised squirrel dogs and we, that's all I've really ever done is squirrel hunted and deer hunted. Uh, now my dad's idea of, of deer hunting was throw a car heart around you, go out there and plop down on a stump or a rock yeah. and you sit there till he come back, you know, uh, freezing to death or whatever. Uh, luckily I had a, I had an uncle, uh, my dad married my stepmom when I was three and my uncle, he's about 10 years older than me. My stepmom's brother. And, uh, 
he's one of those guys that can catch a 10 pound bass out of a mud hole. You know, he can kill, he can kill a, you know, a 12 point buck out of his backyard. I mean, he just, a lot of times he didn't even make it to a stand before he's down in something. And, uh, <laughs> but he's, he was, he's one of those guys that, that he, he loves the preparation. Uh, he loves the study in the deer uh, as much as he does actually harvesting the deer. And so I learned a lot from him uh, about, you know, about scent, about wind, um, going in there and patterning them, uh, you know, rub scrapes, all that stuff. I, I never would have learned that from dad. Dad just kind of, you know, he walk out there and just shoot something, you know, but uh, my uncle took it very serious and uh, I'm grateful to him for it, man. Cause it's a, uh, if you've never, if, if you've not experienced hunting on that level of, of getting in there bow hunting, uh, really learning the deer and getting there and being able to hear him breathe before you take that shot, um, man, you, you, you're missing out. And, and because of him, him being the way he was, um, you know, that's how I learned to hunt. So I'm uh, pretty grateful to him for that. Yeah. I think Ted Nugent, he has one of the best quotes I think ever about bow hunting. It's like the mystical flight of the arrow. That's, <laughs> that's something, I mean, shooting a gun is one thing that arrow flying, that's something else. I'm telling you, man, it's, it's different. It's different. Um, I love Ted, dude. I love to hit, you know, the majestical beast, you know, the, yeah. he did, I love that guy, man. I've been a huge fan of his for a long time. I think, you know, Fred Bear, obviously, but, uh, uh, you know, Chuck Adams and, and, and those guys, uh, and, and hearing Ted, you know, Ted talk about it, it's, uh, I caught the bug pretty early on. I ended up killing, I actually killed my first buck with a bow um, uh, back when I, I believe I was 12, 14 years old, maybe something like that. I killed several does with a gun, but, uh, you know, my uncle got me into bow hunting. I started shooting when I was about 10 and then uh, ended up harvesting my my very first buck when I was 14 by myself and uh, with a bow and it was, I shot that thing. We were talking about this at the bow shop. I went by them, had, had, had them adjust my peeps out today. And uh, uh, we got to talking about just how far these new bows have come. I mean, they're just incredible now. I mean, you know, most new bows, IBO and 350, man, it's, it's crazy. And that first buck I shot, I shot him with a PSE spirit. And the wheels on that thing, I mean, it, they wasn't that big around. I bet that thing, I bet that thing wouldn't shoot in 150 foot per second. I remember <laughs> shooting that deer. I shot that deer at 25 yards and that old arrow boy, you know. <laughs> Have time but, to get your uh, binos out before he got there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yeah, yeah, I love to bow hunt though, man. That's There's nothing like it. No, I used to sit up and watch a, I, I'm like you, I, started, I think I started bow hunting when I was 12 or 13 and uh, I'd stay at my uncle's house cause I could just walk back and hunt behind his house afterwards, but I'd stay up all night watching spirit of the wild, just watching uncle Ted yep. smoke, smoke a bunch of stuff. Uh, that, <laughs> that's the best, man. It's awesome. man. my, uh, you know, I, my uncle, he had, uh, he had a shelf stacked full of VH, v, VHS tapes and uh, a lot of them were at Warchuck and, uh, the Drury boys and, and all that stuff. And that's what we'd do, man, that we'd start about a month before season come in and we'd watch them every night. We'd sit there and we'd stay up, you know, to midnight watching those old VHS tapes. And we'd watch them over and over and over. And, uh, you know, I, I remember, I remember laying in bed, you know, not, I remember, tra- you know, falling asleep in the stand cause I stayed up all night before just panicking, <laughs> just, just imagining that deer walking in, you know, we didn't have cameras or nothing back then. So you didn't know what was coming in on you. You know, you had no clue. You may, you know, you may not see nothing all day or you may see 20, you know, it was, uh, it was a special time, man. It really was back then. That's pretty awesome. What's one of the, what's one of your most favorite hunts you've been on so far? Doesn't have to 
necessarily be whitetail, but what's your favorite hunt you can remember? Oh, man, I uh, I got a one, I believe he's 136, uh, 136 inch eight point on the wall in here. Uh, I, I mentioned I was, I was, uh, I lived in Cleveland, Arkansas, um, and ended up finding some private land. I ended up catching, I ended up catching somebody's, uh, somebody's stray mules one day. I was coming home from work and a bunch of mules had got out and, uh, I ended up putting them back up for them. And, uh, a couple of weeks, I didn't think anything about it. You know, that's just what neighbors do. And, um, uh, a couple of weeks later, I ended up, I was driving down my road there and, uh, ran into those folks i didn't even know what they looked like or who they was but apparently they figured out that i put their mules up and they waved me down and they said hey uh you know we appreciate you putting the mules up and stuff and we got to talking there and i was like yeah i do some hunting behind y'all's place over there you know in the ozark national forest and they're like well, why are you hunting there won't you just come hunt you know come hunt our place and uh so it worked out pretty good you know i got to got to feed and and, and you know uh put out cameras right there on the on the border of of Gulf wildlife, man wildlife management area. And uh, I remember uh, I had went in and checked my cameras. I don't remember what year it was. I, it might've been 2016, um, but I put my cameras out. I was going in there checking them about once a week. Uh, a bunch of hogs, a bunch of does, a bunch of young bucks, but didn't have anything on there that would get a man just plumb, you know, plumb excited. And uh, when season opened the, the first day, I went out there and set my bowl. I was there about, I don't know, three hours or so and one of the biggest bucks probably in on the place come walking into my corn never would give me a shot some doe ended up coming in and blowing at him for 20 minutes you know how they'll do they'll stand out there and she blew at that buck forever i thought she was busting me turned out she was just blowing at the buck well, she walked off and he ended up cutting back didn't ever come in give me a shot uh but he ended up walking back behind my stand and i had a little hole to shoot through through this cedar tree and uh, i remember i pulled back on him flung air at him shot right over his back just broke my heart man and i uh, got down ended up checking my cameras and he'd been on my cameras and i hunted that buck um at least four days a week looking back on it now i probably should have just stayed out of there uh and gave him some breathing room but i i was so excited and i i've hunted that place probably four or five days a week no pictures of him. I thought I'd ran him out of the country. And the third week of gun season, I uh, went in and checked my camera one night, and there was a picture of a doe, a doe's rear end, and then right after that was his rear end. And I was like, I got you now, bub. So I went in there the next morning and sat down with my gun, and third week of gun season, I finally got him, man. He come in, shot him at 10 yards. I mean, he piled up. I watched him fall. Uh, it's been that, – that's the coolest hunt that I think I've ever been on, uh, just because he made me work for it. You know, that – that high quality fun, that fun you got to work for, you know what I mean? Uh, but yeah, that's my that's my that's my number one right there. <laughs> how do you how do you feel about hunting over over corn? We do it about half the year, it seems like on private on Oklahoma you can bait, but yeah. on public you can't, and you can't bait on most public. I think in states, but mm -hmm. it seems like we see a lot of people that are getting more and more progressively mad about people hunting over bait and stuff. I, I don't really see a problem with it. How do you feel about it? I don't either, dude. I don't. I don't see an issue with it. Um, I mean, if you're if you're hunting over a cornfield, what you doing? I mean, if you're hunting over a soybean field, what are you doing? If you're sitting on, if you're sitting under an acorn tree, what are you doing? You know, um, I've just been a lot more successful. Um, you get to monitor your herd. You get to see what you get to watch deer. You know, throughout the years, grow into something special. 
Um, and I don't, man, I don't, I've, I've seen way too many young kids kill, kill deer off of, off of corn piles when they wouldn't have otherwise had a chance or they might not have had the patience to stick with it. They may have got burned out on hunting from not seeing anything. Um, now I do like going out and onto public and, and killing a deer. That's, that's, that's why public land deer are so special is because you can't bait them, you know? Um, so to each his own, um, I think it's good for the herd. I think it offers good nutrition good horn growth, um, healthy babies on the ground the next the following year. So, you know, I, I get it. Um, yeah, people don't like hunting dogs. I mean, it, it, to each his own, there's going to be, there's always going to be somebody out there that don't like what you do. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure if we, if we showed the guys that were bow hunting back in the eighties, if we showed them the bows we're hunting with now, they'd probably say, Hey, that ain't right. You know? So it's just, um, no, I don't have an issue with it. Um, I think it. I think it helps the herd, and it and it gives you a good shot. You know, it's all at the end of the day. It's about an ethical kill. It's about your your animal not suffering any more than you have to. And um, and I've I, you know typically ninety percent of the time you're gonna have you're gonna have a um, an easy shot on a corn pile. It yeah. seems like people act like a like it's like killing one in a fence or something. It's it's. It's funny because those mature bucks, like they know what that is. Like they, it's hard to kill a mature buck even you, over corn. Come on, and that, and that's the thing. If a lot of people that say it's easy to do or like shooting fish in a barrel, I ain't never shot a deer on a corn pile. Those deer are, if you breathe wrong, those things are breaking <laughs> their backs to get out of there. I mean, they're just so, um, they're just so timid coming in there. They're so on edge um, that you really got to mind your p's and q's, man. I mean, you you choose to pull back pull your bow back at the wrong time, uh, you can blow your entire hunt, you know, um, which it's awesome to go out there and see deer in, your, in their natural environment, see them relaxed and all that. And if you're just hunting a trail or a draw or something, um, and you've got them funneled into a spot on public land or something, it's nice to see them um, acting natural or whatever. But, but yeah, it's not, uh, it's not as easy as, as everybody, as the uh, opponents let on like it is for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, just from experience, you do see more deer over corn. But the thing is, is though kind of like you said, the deer are more alert. And us, we like to kind of mix it up a little, a little bit because we'll we'll spend like a week on on public or something during our like annual rotation or whatever you want to call it. But after we get our butts beat in there, it is super nice just hanging back, getting in the old uh, ladder stand again, and then just kind of just chilling out a little bit, you know. I agree. I mean, I really do agree, bro. It's, you know, and you gotta, you gotta think, I mean, back when I was working in the oil field, I mean, a lot of times I worked when I first started for the first three or four years there, man, I was working seven twelves. I mean, and a lot of times I was driving an hour to work. So I was spending 14 hours away from the house a day, every day and didn't get a day off until the job was done and then might have two or three days off. So you didn't, you didn't know when you had the time off. Um, so you know, looking at that, man, you know, a lot of guys don't have time. You know, a lot of girls don't have the time to, to go out there and, and put that work in that it takes to to hunt deer in their natural environment. I mean, it just – I'm not saying that's not their natural environment, but you guys know what I mean. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, man, I mean, the, just your your success ratio increases substantially, you know. So, yeah, I, I agree with you, Jake. What would be one of your – maybe messages or, or kind of how do you feel about 
a little bit of the divisiveness that's kind of coming throughout the hunting community now, whether it's on broadheads or bows or crossbows or any of that stuff, what would, I mean, as someone that has a little bit more influence than the average guy, what would your message be to kind of the hunting community? I don't know, man. I think there's going to be, there's divisiveness in every single industry, man. I mean, at the end of the day, I think we'd all be better off if we just minded our own business. Um, I, I'm not saying there's not lines that need to be drawn. Um, obviously, you know, our, our main concern as the hunting community should be, um, you know, representing the ethics of the sport. Um, there's plenty of people out there who are willingly want to be our enemy just for the simple fact that we're harvesting wild animals. Um, so, so, you know, this, this infighting, I, I guess is the word, um, it don't do nothing but hurt us. Um, you know, and, but it's just like, it's just like Nashville, you know, you got your, you got your guys who think, uh, you know, country should go back to away from the pop stuff. And you got people who like the progression of the pop stuff in it and that it sells better and it crosses over into the pop world and Nashville makes more money that way. And the artists make more money. Um, when the truth of the matter is guys, is there's room for everybody. There's room for us all, uh, the dog hunters. And everybody and i'm you know I, my family hunted with dogs my whole life and i don't hunt with dogs i have no desire to hunt with dogs i love to hear them run but for me hunting is is about peacefulness and just sitting there away from everything um so so you know everybody's gonna have something to gripe about always uh we'd be better off if we just patted each other on the back and said hey you know, to, to each his own. And this is coming from somebody who's, you know, man, I've had no telling how many deer run off me that I've hunted all year, you know, and a pack of hounds come through and run them out of the country. But man, that's just the name of the game. I mean, that's just part of it, dude. You got to, you got to give a little, you know, you got to bend a little uh, wherever you need to, but we're all in this together, man. And, uh, you know, with the way the world's heading, you know, with the gun regulations and the hunting regulations and the people online, using every, you know, every photo of a headshot doe as, as ammunition to, to destroy our reputation and show the world that don't know any better that, that, you know, we're doing something immoral here. Uh, and we, we, we got that to worry about. We don't need to be worrying about each other. Yeah. What's it like hunting with dogs? I don't know. I don't know if that's legal or not in Oklahoma, but I've heard, heard some cool stories. It's hectic. Um, so, what, what my family did, everybody had CBs. Now, this is back before cell phones, and so everybody had a CB in their truck, and you'd get, you know, five or six guys, and they'd each have a passenger. So you got you got 12 guns, you know. Um, the, the key to dog hunting, and I, I'm not, I, like I said, I don't dog hunt anymore, so I'm not a professional. So if there's any dog hunters out there listening to this, I don't mean to misspeak. Uh, maybe maybe Kristen and Jake can have you guys on, and you can explain better than me. <laughs> That's how it's but, done. From what I understand, man, you got to know your country. You got to know the land. You got to know every draw. You got to know every every funnel, every every saddle where they're going to cross. Um, and then you got to know every every county road, you know, um, to cut these deer off. Or or your dogs just are just going to run them all day. And I don't think anybody wants that. I don't think anybody's intention is just to for their dogs to run deer. Um, 
but yeah, it's it's hectic, man. I mean, these guys, I'll be driving these dirt roads at seventy miles an hour, man, trying to <laughs> trying to cut a deer off. And I, so I, you know, I can understand the fun side of it. It was a blast when I was a kid. You know, I thought I was the coolest, you know, coolest little five year old in the world riding around with my uncle. You know, at ninety mile an hour around them curves and hopping out of the truck and throwing a gun over the, you know, over the over the bed of the pickup. And, and, and all that but yeah i'm you know that's that's illegal in most places now of course it wasn't back then you know it never nobody even thought it's illegal if you get it. caught yeah 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 <laughs> that uh that was just kind of the way of the world back then you know there were so few deer um that's something that's changed as far as dog hunting goes i don't know if it's a necessity anymore it used to it kind of used to be a necessity um i remember when i was a kid in arkansas you know uh, seeing a deer track was something that you called your buddies about. I mean, there just was no deer. Um, and so, you know, to, like I said, they taste their own. I don't know if it's a necessity anymore or not, but, uh, but yeah, we, we got a lot, we got a lot more things to handle and a lot more things to worry about than, than to be griping back and forth. I, I agree. I think that's the, that's the right message. Do, do you have to train dogs to run deer? Or is that kind of pretty natural? You got to train them. Um, you know, it's kind of like squirrel dog. I mean, these dogs are, you know, are bred to run game. And so you just kind of got to direct them. You just kind of got to direct them in, you know, in the right, in the right path. Just a good coon dog. I mean, you don't want you, you don't, well, you don't want you good squirrel dogs out there training coons. You know what I mean? Um, even though I do got some buddies who, who have got some mountain fire settled, that'll treat squirrels in the day and treat coons at night. And I mean, that's just a whole another level of training right there that I, I wouldn't know anything about, but, uh, but yeah, they, you know, my uncle put in a lot of work uh, getting those dogs trained up and, and making sure, you know, because a lot of times what what they what you don't want is your is your you want your you, from what I understand you want your dogs to be zeroing in on bucks on the scent of buck deer instead of running does. Um, so there's a lot of work that goes into it. Uh, I'm, I'm proud I don't have to do it <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. All right. I want to put you in a little scenario and I want you to tell me how this is going to fold out. So you're back home in Arkansas and you have to hunt on your public land that you used to hunt. And the deal is if you don't kill a buck, it doesn't matter what it is. If you, if you don't kill a buck in one day, then you, you don't get a sing and you don't get a hunt for the rest of your life. But you get to bring one person from the music industry to help you. Who's that going to be? Hmm. Dang, that's tough. You better pick a killer. <laughs> yeah, no doubt, dude. Uh, uh, guys, I don't know if I know anybody in the hunting industry that that really, really is a hardcore hunter. It's hard to be in the music industry and be that hardcore of a hunter. It really, really mm -hmm. is. Um, you're you're away from home so much, you know. Um, let's see who would I who would I take. Dang, I don't know, man. Uh, that's <laughs> hard to say. Shoot bro. some big ones, yeah, dude. I tell you what, and uh, Tyler Farr took me up and uh, and we fished Luke's Pond here last year. Uh, and you talk about something right out of Ducks Unlimited. I mean, that cool. dude has got he's got the spot now. I mean, it's just old dead tree stumps laying everywhere. Uh, that pond ain't about five foot deep, but I, I guess they pull twelve pounders out of there all the time. Luke's got it going on, man. They'd say. That's a, that's a cool thing about getting to town uh, and coming to Nashville. You know, everybody just kind of goes on hearsay about what they know about these artists and, and things like that. And whether you're a fan of, uh, of Luke's music or, or not, 
um, that is one of the countryest son of a guns in this town. <laughs> you know, he come he come to town to to write music, uh, not to really even be an artist. You know, you you know the song uh, "Good Directions." Uh, mm-hmm. Thank God for good direction. Billy Carrington. Yeah, Billy Carrington. Well, Luke wrote that song, you know, and that was kind of his. I didn't know that. Breakout. Yeah, that's kind of his breakout in into the industry where people, you know, said, "Hey, this guy can this guy can really write." You know, let's put him behind a mic, and uh, so yeah, I mean, he he's he's kind of the real deal, man. To be honest with you, mm-hmm. even though you wouldn't you wouldn't think that from him turning his hat around backwards and shaking his hips, but. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but that well, guy's he's kind of real deal. Everybody's seen his uh that that YouTube video of him up oh. in the tree stand just shaking like is he <laughs> down? Is he down? <laughs> so I mean I don't know if you could fake that. So Dude, honestly, I've been there. I've been there. I've been the same yeah. way. You know, I I remember taking uh I remember taking my I got a good buddy Ryan back home and he runs a restaurant and that's, he's one of the workingest son of the guns I've ever seen, dude. He works all the time from daylight to dark. And uh Right after I'd killed that buck I told you guys about that made me hunt so hard for him, uh, I ended up taking Ryan out there uh, a couple of days later. We sat on the stand, and, and he ended up killing his first buck. And it and it happened, you know, guys, how you'll kind of try to you'll kind of try to uh, uh, envision how the hunt's going to go. You'll say, man, they're going to come in from here. You know, if if he's got if he's behind a doe, he's going to come in from over here. And guys, I, I made myself look like modern day Fred Bear because I mean I called it just <laughs> like that deer come in. He come in right where I said he's gonna come from, come in with a doe. And my buddy's one that he don't hardly ever hunt any, you know, he never hunted before, but he's one of the best shots with a rifle I've ever seen. I mean, the dude is an absolute dead eye. And uh, and I got like that when he killed his first buck. I like to come out of that tree stand, boys. I mean, I was shaking all over. It was probably the I don't know if I've ever been that excited about my own deer. I mean, I just got plumped beside myself. So that, yeah, that's, that's the real deal, man. I mean, anybody who, who'll put that, who, cause I mean, honestly, to, to be that, to be that vulnerable on camera, you know, to, to, to let people, you know, everybody just sees the cool side of Luke. And so to, to see that vulnerable side where he's just losing his mind, you know, you don't, you can't put that on, man. That's the real deal. And that's from somebody who loves it, who loves to hunt, you know. So I got all the respect in the world for it, man. Maybe I'll just take Luke, you know, if we're, if, I, if my, if my career depends on one hunt, maybe I'll just take Luke that's right there. Yeah. 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 I'm looking forward to that side of hunting where it kind of all comes full circle, right? Like you get to start taking people and introducing them into the thing that someone introduced you to. That's and, it. I'm looking forward to that now. Like I got a, a little neighbor kid. I think he's like six or seven years old. And I went out and I was shooting my bow in the backyard the other day. And his mom sent my wife a picture of him. He got his little bow out and started shooting his target, Come his on, yard. He man. said, he heard you shooting his, your bow. And I was like, man, I got to get him a deer. Cause he, that's a bow hunter right there. He just doesn't know. Come it on. That's it. And dude, and some of these youth bows they're making nowadays are bad to the bone. I mean, right, better dude, than my first bow. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if I can pull them back, they, they can kill deer with them, you know. Um, so, yeah, and, you know, and I, man, I, you know, when we talk about, I stay up on politics and all that, all that mess, you know, and I think a man needs to know what's going on in, in the world and with his government and all that stuff and, and what's going on with just society in general. Guys, and I think that's one of the biggest problems with our youth right now is they have lost touch with nature. Um, there's something about being out there that, that connects you to something else. I mean, uh, you find out that you don't need humans as much as you think you do. You don't need social media as much as you think you do. 
um, and it just connects you with the real world. I mean, they've got all kinds of songs about what's that Matchbox 20 song? I wish the real world just stopped hassling me. The real world don't hassle you, dude. The real world, you could disappear tomorrow and the real world would never know you were gone. The trees don't know you're gone. The deer don't know you're gone. When all this buildings, all the buildings and all the computers and all the racket that we tolerate and, and, and have to have shoved in front of our face all the time, once that's, if that ever disappears, the real world's still going to be here, you know? Um, and so I think there's a huge disconnect between, um, between the youth and, and nature right now. So yeah, man, Christian, God bless you for doing that, dude. That's, you know, and it's going to take people like that who will take the time to show youngsters what they're missing out on, uh, and to, to take the time to, to take them out. You know, that's, it's hard to get a kid to be quiet. You know, it's, hard, it's easy for a kid to run a deer off. So you're making a sacrifice there, and you're, you know, you're, but you're, you're changing the world, man, one kid at a time. I mean, I, I wouldn't be the man I am today without without sitting in them tree, without hunting them squirrels and following them dogs around. I just wouldn't. There's no way. And so I think that's how we save it, man. I think between country music and 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 the hunting, fishing, and fishing industry, I think that's how we, I think that's how we turn this thing around. Yeah, that's the. I think that's the part of hunting that people, you know, at least from the outside perspective, don't really understand that well. It's like Sitka came out with a, a film. I think it was five or six years ago. It's called Place of Peace, and it was about a war veteran that came back and he said the tree was the only place he could find peace, where he didn't yeah. hear everything from from war. And it's just like every time you go out and you hunt and you're learning something about yourself, you you're evaluating yourself the entire time, especially when you ain't got no cell service. You know, you're just thinking yeah. about you think about life. That's right. awesome. I mean, it, How's it, left with nothing else? And if, if a man ain't never set out in the woods by himself on a calm day and watch the first snowflake of the year fall, I don't know, man. I don't, I don't know how you can really feel anything because that's, I mean, that's God to me. Um, the, you know, Watching the the dew come up off, you know, evaporate up off the pines, man. I mean, watching the sun pull all that up, hearing the woods wake up, you know, that, I ain't nothing like it, man. I ain't nothing like it. Change a man, change yeah, yep. it. Sorry, Jake, I keep it. Oh no, you're you're a okay. Trust me, people would rather hear you talk to me talk any day of the week. So uh, <laughs> that's no, yet but, to be determined, brother. I don't know. Yeah, I can guarantee you. <laughs> no. uh all I was going to say is how's the outside world, like, like the non-hunting community, how are they supposed to know like those experiences? Right. Because for, for most people, either on social media or, you know, you get in the big old face group forums or whatever, anybody only posts their success. Like all they see is just, Hey, look at my big deer. Kind of like y'all were talking about, like just sitting up there pondering on life. Like no one, no one portrays that hardly in anything they do it seems like at least in the hunting industry yeah and i think that i think we got to be real careful about that man that it that it that it don't become um a show-off industry that it don't become i'm a better hunter than you industry uh you know i think we i think that's where we failed a little bit is is you know going out there and, and telling folks about you know about the veterans lives that it's changed about the kids lives that it's changed just sitting out there whether you whether you harvest or not you know um yeah it's uh you know i heard joe rogan talk one day 
um, about about high quality and low quality fun. I don't know if you've heard heard that. Have you heard him talk about that, Christian? I think it's type um, one and type two fun. Yeah, uh, is it type two and type? Or, one? It, it might be. Yeah, like that? yeah. yeah. Um, and I don't know if you guys have talked about it, but that's that man. What he said, you know, that stuck with me. Um, how, you know, nobody when they're eighty years old sits on the front porch with their buddies and talks about the, you know, the game of Call of Duty they had that one time, or, <laughs> or talks about riding the roller coaster at, at Six Flags. You know, they don't talk about that, but they do talk about the time that uh, you know they set up camp on the creek and the flash flood come through and washed the tent away. And that instead of going home, they stuck it out. They were starving and hungry and ended up harvesting one of the biggest bucks of their life. That's the that's the good fun, man. The fun that makes you work for it. You know, and we live in such a such a world of, of instant gratification and instant dopamine rush. Um, you know, looking at your phone or, or whether it be pills or drugs or drinking or whatever it is, man, you're constantly feeding your body that dopamine rush that you're not that you're not working for. And uh you know, that's, we're not, we didn't evolve that way. Humans aren't geared that way. We're, we're geared to have um, that, you know, to work for something, to be proud of something. Um, and, and that's where real joy comes from. That's where proving yourself and, and self-confidence really comes from, man, is sticking stuff out like that um, and working for something. That's what, that's what Jake always says too. I mean, about our hunting is like 90% of hunting is not fun. When I'm sitting there for seven days and I haven't seen a deer in five days, I'm I'm not having fun. Now I, might I have can to... tell it doesn't. That's yeah. right. <laughs> that's just, that's the power of it, man. Is is the fact that we we will we will do that no problem. I'll, I'll do that no problem. I'll put in I'll put in months of hunting, you know, and and not kill anything. I mean, I don't have a wall full of you know big bucks I've killed. I've just got a few, you know. Uh, but everyone on fit right work. in then. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's awesome what if you had to pick one hunt you only got you know so we got the big game super slam right we got like 29 north america big game animals if you could pick one that would be your dream hunt that you haven't got to do yet what would it be man i'd have to go elk hunting i mean i i've watched so many i've never been i've watched so many so many videos of them um just just their bugle is it's american bro i mean that's that is the u.s I mean, that's as, to me that's as beautiful as a you know as a as an eagle i mean it just they are just phenomenal creatures um and i went out to park city utah and played for the rocky mountain elk foundation about a month ago and uh got to go up ten thousand foot above sea level where you could you know you could see wyoming from from utah i mean just unbelievable and so the country that they're located in, um, just their behavior, and just dude, that's a majestic, majestic animal. Um, so yeah, I, I hope to get to do that one of these days. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm working on it pretty hard. I've got How's some your- people addicted to turkey hunting now that didn't ever like that kind of hunting just because being a vocal. And I feel like elk is that's the turkey of the mountains. Like that's yeah, a, yeah, it's an awesome. That's animal. a good point. Yeah, that's a good comparison, dude. I. You know, that's something I, ne- I never really got into, man, was the turkey hunting. I had allergies real bad when I was a kid. <laughs> and, <laughs> my uncle took me out a couple times, and uh, I'd get out there sneezing and, and hacking and coughing around. And, uh, yeah, my turkey hunting career ended pretty quick. But uh, luckily, I, over the last few years, um, I got some buddies from with the NWTF, and they've, they've taken me out. We've hunted Kansas. I got to take a bird in Kansas last year, and uh, uh, my first gobbler, actually. 
Uh, just, just never really did get into it, and uh, and it's fun, dude. I mean, it it really is fun. Now, I don't. I got a lot of buddies that say it's better than deer deer hunting. Now, I don't. I don't know stretch. about that. Yeah, that's a bit of a stretch. And I guess to each his own, you know. Uh, uh, if you like to, you know, walk, <laughs> and you like ticks and skaters, that might be your uh, that might be your cup of tea. But uh, I like to sit out there in the cold when the things leave me alone. You know. But uh, yeah, turkey hunting is awesome, man. We had when we went up to uh, when we went, up, we went to Kansas, we counted twelve gobblers that morning, man. Sounding off. I mean, they're some of the most vocal birds I've ever heard up, in, you know, in my life. These eastern, them easterns in Arkansas, man, they shut up. I mean, they don't make a sound. You know, they're hard to get get to communicate with you. And by golly, we went out there that first morning and hit that owl that owl hoot, and I mean, they just got fired up. He's one of the coolest hunts ever, man. He come through. He come in from about 150 yards away, walked across this uh, cut cornfield, and the sun was just coming up and shining through his fan. I mean, it, was, it was perfect, y'all. Yeah, that turkey hunt's fun, man. Turkeys are weird. Like, I always thought, I didn't realize that they gobbled in unison most of the time. So I'd be like, oh, that's one bird, you know, blah, blah, blah. You're like, oh, there's one bird. And then five pop over the ridge. You're like, hey, where are, where are those dudes, yeah. where are those dudes no come kidding. from? No kidding. They're, yeah. they're cool animals. They really are, man. They really are. They're uh, they're beautiful animals, man. They're beautiful animals, and just to, of course, in Tennessee, dude, them things are golly. They're everywhere, guys. I never seen anything like it. I mean, we drove about a mile from the house down here. Old boy's got a, you know, herd cows, and I drove by the other day, and these gobblers standing in the middle of them cows just blowed up. You know, they just and they blow up out here in the winter. Like you drive by them in the winter, and they'll be blowed up on the side of the road, like. They're everywhere out here, boys. If you, if you ever get a chance to come, y'all turkey hunted uh, Tennessee before? I haven't. I want to. Mississippi get, get is close. Here, guys, I'm serious. It's they're 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 covered up in them, and I think I think that's due to like you drive down the road, man. You don't really see coons around here. You know, you don't see a whole lot of bobcats. Mm, yeah. Um. So I think that the predation the predation here just ain't ain't like it is back home. Um. Nobody coon hunts anymore back home. Very few people do. Um, of course, some cones eat them babies and them eggs, man, and it's just really hurt the really hurt the the population. Nobody traps anymore, so you got more bobcats. Um, so I think that's where Tennessee really really shines is its its lack of predators, um, which is why they have so many birds here. Jake, is that just due to trapping, or I don't know, man. I, I don't know what it's due to. I just know mm-hmm. I just know that I don't I don't really see them like I do back home. I mean, you can't drive two miles without seeing a coon back home, yeah. you know, especially after dark, you know um armadillo of course armadillos ain't, ain't got nothing to do with it but i don't see armadillos in tennessee either you know every now and again you'll see them it's just it's odd man how how, how different it is of course you're you're crossing a lot of country coming from the northwest foothills of those arcs into all the way over you know to tennessee so a lot of, a lot of changes through there but if if you need a turkey guy J- jake's your guy he loves he loves turkey hunting uh man i i haven't had the best experiences with turkey have you not? Yeah. No, no. So the very first time I went turkey hunting, like actual setting up, like decoy and all that stuff, uh, Christian brought me, and it was when we were in college, and we probably lived maybe maybe an hour. Is it an hour north? Is that where Call is? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't mind saying WMA because people can shoot out that place. It's a war, it's care. a war zone already. Yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah, it's called Call WMA. Call WMA if anyone wants to know. But uh, we got set up there. And we were on this little like oxbow of this little creek and we were set up probably, I don't know, 
we stayed in our truck the night before because we roosted that bird. And again, I'm not, I'm not an expert turkey hunter by no means at all. And, uh, we walk out there plenty, plenty of time before daybreak, get set up right under the tree. And it seemed like before daybreak was even happening, like he would just kept sounding off and he sounded off hundreds of times. And, uh, we were thinking like, Hey, this is going to happen today. You know, public land Turkey. Hell yeah. And <laughs> it was a little bit after daybreak, like kind of get, getting that gray light. And all of a sudden we heard some, like something walking behind us and we weren't really thought it was like, a deer. Yeah. Yeah. Like, ah, I mean, like 10 so yards behind us. It's fine. And we get to, <laughs> it's probably 45 minutes later. And that, that Tom just still up there calling, but he won't pitch down or anything like that. And we kind of start looking around like, like, you know, what's happening. Well, we see another, we think a hen probably 45 yards away from us, uh, back behind us. I should get there. <laughs> yeah. Turned around. He's like, there's a hen right there. <laughs> and, and he was like, don't move, don't move. He's like, wait, that's a decoy. <laughs> there ended up being two more goons over there. Just freaking calling away. Oh, so, no yeah. way, dude. <laughs> Like there was that, and then it was just yeah. My next turkey hunt, I missed with my it bow, and it, tell you what, it didn't man, turn out dangerous. either. Really, dude? Yeah. Golly, <laughs> they, they, hey, it gets dangerous out there, man. I, it really does. Them turkey hunters, boy, uh, they, them guys, you get aggressive, you know, and you got to be, you got to be aggressive with some of them birds, you know. Um, but bad experiences. I mean, I, I, I talk about that that bird I killed up in in Kansas, like like it was, you know, perfect. But uh, what was funny is that Winchester had let us borrow some of their SX4s. And uh, the one that I got had a reflex side on, on it, you know. And uh, on those reflex sights, you just sight them in just like a, uh, like a regular scope. Well, one of the guys I had there, we, were, we went in to make sure, you know, went out the day before to make sure they were sighted in and everything and uh, choked up right and all that. And... Uh, my gun was shooting, uh, it was shooting a little bit low. And so I was like, man, I think I'm about two clicks low. I probably need to come up a couple, three, couple or three clicks. And he's like, man, no, you got, <laughs> you got to chase it. You got to chase it like, uh, like the, like a bow sight. Like if it's shooting low, you got to go low with it. Now that didn't seem right to me, man. I, you know, I wasn't really up to par on, on reflex sights. Not something I really dealt with before. Didn't sound right to me. But I went ahead and clicked her off about three and uh, didn't shoot it again. Thought I was good to go. And we got out there the next morning when I killed that bird. I had to shoot it twice. My first one hit it right in the beard. I mean, boom, right there. <laughs> and then I pulled about eight inches above its head and boom, pulled it off and it warped the ground. But yeah. Dude. Uh, <laughs> and now I'm talking, guys. Now we had professional cameras out there. It was for the NWTF that they were going to put out on their website. You know, we uh, had two other two other artists out there, and we ended up we ended up letting that video slip through the cracks. It was, uh, yeah, it was a little embarrassing. But we'll, oh we'll go there and name ourselves one of these days. Right. Maybe. I feel better about myself. So, <laughs> yeah, good podcast. You you want to hear how crazy turkey hunters are? I've a god i love this story we had a we watched a guy they'll hunt on those wheat fields quite a bit for turkey you know there's just some big roost trees around the creeks and stuff this guy had his decoy up and we watched it all from the road as we were driving away from the morning hunt this guy had his decoy set up and he was probably 20 yards behind it and he let a guy a guy uh crawled through the winter wheat field he belly crawled from 300 yards away up on this dude's decoy he let him get about 50 yards away and threw his hands up he's like what are you doing he said, I was sneaking up and I was going to shoot that bird. He said, how long oh did it take God. you to realize it was a decoy? He goes, it, that's a decoy? And uh, 
he he said uh he he didn't know it was he didn't know it was a decoy and he was fixing to stand up and shoot it and we were talking to the guy we were like you let him crawl that whole way and he said yeah I wanted him to figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that is that is something, boys. I you know I don't I don't know. I, that's that's something I'll never understand. I, you know I, I've heard a lot of those stories, especially in Arkansas. Man, those guys that take that turkey hunting serious now. I mean, because like I said, birds are you know are so sparse there, so few and far between. And uh, yeah, you get a chance to barely crawl through a field after one. You know, you do it. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, there's 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 definitely been some accidents over the years for sure. So man's got to be careful. Oh yeah. What hunt are you most excited for this this fall? I know you said you had a few lined up. Yeah, um, really hunt, really excited about my Ohio hunt. I, I hunt uh, about forty five minutes east of Columbus. There, uh, a buddy of mine uh, named Zach. He grew up there, and uh, he's got a couple of spots. Um, and it's crazy, man. Ohio is crazy uh, because where I sit and where I hunt, guys, you can see four or five houses. But all day long, man, it's just like a cow trail. I mean, they're just they're just funneling through there all the time. Mm -hmm. And they have, you know, they're they have a they've done a really good job in Ohio of managing their uh, buck and doe populations. Um, a lot of times in Arkansas, because for many years there, you couldn't kill a doe in Arkansas. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of times in Arkansas, those bucks will they'll stay so close to their home range because they don't have to leave. They've got so many does to choose from. Um, where in Ohio, there's, there's a lot of competition, um, but for, for the does, but there are small, there are, you know, 115, 120 inch deer walking around all the time and nobody shoots them because it's like shooting a spike there, you know, like shooting a spike back home, you know, I mean, you know, that's always something to be proud of killing you deer, but um, they're just, they're, they're so plentiful there. Um, but it's, it's always a blast. I don't ever have to wonder when I go to Ohio, if I'm going to see deer or not, there's, there's going to be deer. Uh, last year I went up and unfortunately the day before my hunt, uh, they ended up cutting this cornfield about, uh, I don't know, a half a mile from us or so. And the buck that I had pinned down, he's a hundred and a hundred and 50, 145 inch, eight point nice, nice deer coming in, nice shooter for Ohio. And uh, they cut that cornfield, dude, and every evening he'd peel off and hit that cornfield. And the last day I was there, uh, the last night I was there, he come in right at dark. I could just see the outline of his antlers. I would have shot him. I would have probably shot at him if if he would have been on my land in Arkansas. But since I was on somebody else's, man, I, I sure didn't want to, you know, wound that deer. And, and uh, But uh, a buddy of mine sent me pictures of him this year and he is an absolute tank <laughs> and so uh that's the one i got i got uh, in my crosshairs this year uh, so i mean i'm excited to go up there man i'm also excited about illinois though i've never i never got to hunt it uh they say that place is absolutely spectacular as well so but pretty excited about ohio well that sounds pretty awesome you're gonna have to keep us updated how your how your deer season goes i'd like to i'd love to see some pictures it'll awesome. uh It'll be front and center on TikTok. I guarantee you. I ain't. Uh, I don't bother me a bit. What, what's that new? Uh, what's that new Hardy song? Or he's, you know, that sold out or whatever. Just, uh, ain't afraid to put a big buck on his Instagram or whatever. I, I really. Yeah. Well, at least for TikTok, you got to be a little bit censored on that you gotta, because you it, gotta be mindful. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. gets it gets pretty hairy on there. 
them channelmen they they for title <laughs> what do they got about yeah. what do they got against deer hunting i don't get yeah. it i don't either brother i don't either if you you know it, it, there's a lot of things i don't understand boys you know that's right <laughs> well where uh if if our audience wants to connect with you or, or listen to your music or on social where's the where's the best place for them to do that I mean, you guys can you guys can go to uh, heathsanders.com and there's a link tree on there that'll send you to all my all my socials. But if you you know if you don't want to do that, you can find me at Heath Sanders Music on Instagram, Heath Sanders on Facebook, Heath Sanders Muse on Twitter because all of it wouldn't fit. Um, I, I don't really use Twitter though; I stay off there. Um, but yeah, and Heath Sanders is it Heath Sanders Music on TikTok or Heath Sanders? I don't remember. It's one of the two. Um, yeah, you can find me on there, man. We got some shows coming up up in up in Missouri. We got one coming down coming up down in Georgia. Uh, got some stuff coming up out in California. So uh, got a year full of good stuff. You guys can come out and, and uh, yeah, um, go follow me on Instagram and stuff. We keep everybody updated on what's going on with the music when we're going to get new music out. And uh, yeah, yeah, we have a lot of fun. Cool, man. Well, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it, especially late in the evening like it is right now. Well, guys, no, no, man. Thank you all, man, for having me on. And thank you all for what you do. Honestly, man, I, you know, I started following you guys on TikTok, what, I don't know, a couple of three months ago or something like that. Um, and I love, I love, I love how, and, and a lot of this, a lot of the stuff you guys discuss might be common knowledge to, to a lot of hunters, but there are a lot of people out there talking about young kids and stuff who, who may not have a dad or a grandpa or an uncle that hunts. Um, who who has a lot of questions and and you guys do a good job of answering that and, and helping people understand and, and uh, steering them in the right direction so guys i appreciate what you do i really do and more folks like you in the industry man. thanks man we appreciate, appreciate it well it. i'm gonna keep you on for just 30 seconds more i'm gonna grab i got three hats and i want you to pick one i'm gonna send it to All you right, Give cool. me one second. Well, let's do it Thank you guys so much for checking out the Hunter's Advantage podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, make sure to leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcast, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to the podcast. Thank you guys so much, and we'll see you in the next episode.